Hello, you are listening to the OmniTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with Microsoft, the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Takeoff, and Sezzle. The OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is a podcast that we hope each week's each week, each make, weeks, each week, each weeks, make you makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, Chris, a little happier each week too. Today is April twenty first. I'm your host, Ann Mazinga, and I'm Chris Walton, rejoined by Chris Walton, and we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of omni-channel retailing. Chris, I missed you. You're back. You, you missed me, did I you? Did. Oh, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Yes. It's probably not. But yes, yes. I talked to Chad Lusk of A&M Consumer and Retail Group. And, yes. You know, he was saying how, you know, it like didn't skip a beat. And I agree, it didn't actually. You guys did a great job last week. But, but Ann, I got something to talk about today okay. that I'm pretty excited about. Is it that another retail headline of the year that you're going to announce this, this show? No, it's not, smartass, okay. but thank you. I resemble that remark very much. But no, Ann. We passed 400,000 listens all oh time on our podcast last week. Yeah, I'm, did you I'm know I'm glad that? you're keeping track of that. Yeah, I know. I, it's kind of one of the nerdy things I do. But for those that listen to the show, you remember we were touting 300,000 listens like in December last year. So that shows yeah. you how much our podcast is growing. And thank you to all for the support that you give us each and every week. At one point last week on a seven-day period, we had 16,000 people listen to our podcast, wow. our collective podcast. I was blown away. I was stunned. Wow, I'm blown away too. We better keep making... Good content. I'll yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to try to do real good and with really good grammar like that as we make this podcast. But yeah, no. Are you it, making fun of me? No, I was making fun of myself, you know, because oh. sometimes my grammar gets a little loose oh. in this podcast. All right. Uh, well, Chris, speaking of reviews. Uh, yes, and <laughs> We, we, uh, we, we were we, talking we, last week about reviews and how much that uh, helps us. So if you like the show you don't like the show we hope that you will leave us a review wherever you're listening um it helps us continue to make the content that you are listening to but we said we would give a shout out to somebody yes we did if they left us review do you want to do the honors yeah i'll do it sure okay. yeah no i was i thinking you're gonna do it but i'll do it for sure so yeah i want to give a big shout out to mja1289 whoever Ooh. the heck that is and if you want to let us know hit us up on linkedin because we're dying to know who mja1289 so, so is secretive i love yeah. it and is that like 1289 when they were born or what like i'm kind of <laughs> curious but uh and here's what they had to say. Yes, yay, a, a, s, exclamation point. Yes. The number one retail podcast. Chris and Ann are killing it. They take the very best, most interesting retail news and synthesize it in an easy, digestible way. Talk features the newest and most interesting folks who chat retail trends, insight, and implications. A must listen for anyone working or supporting their retail in- industry. Emoji with glasses, heart, and then stars. I feel like <laughs> we're listening to Siri, like heart emoji but- and Glass smiley face. But yeah, but but in all seriousness, MJ1289, you, that gave me the biggest warm and fuzzy to read that. And we're going to continue reading these each and every week. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Heart the podcast if you're on Spotify, if you're on Google, Amazon Music. Just follow us and subscribe wherever you can. We yes. really, really appreciate it. And our numbers are a testament to your support. And should we get started? Yes, let's do it. All right, and in today's Fast Five, we've got news on Lululemon's new memberships. Caper counters at Fenway Park. I like the alliteration in that one. Champs Sports new store. Say that 10 times fast. Champ Sports, Champ Sports, Champ Sports. Grocer Lunds and Byerly's bringing in Pensa. But we're going to take off with our first headline out of Amazon. Yes, let's start with headline number one. So the first headline has us talking about the first letter to shareholders from new Amazon CEO Andy Jassy. 
So in the letter, Jassy said that Amazon will strive to create safer working environments for employees, uh, increase their efforts toward reducing their carbon footprint, and there are a lot of additional company growth strategies and more. Um, Chris, this was a lengthy letter. Uh, what were your takeaways from from the the first letter to shareholders from the first new CEO? Yeah, and yeah, I Jaffe. feel like this. I feel like this letter to the shareholder thing is taking on its own life. Just so you know, like it's kind of like it kind of gives me that kind of creepy thing feeling. Like ooh, like like ooh, the letter to the shareholder. Oh. You know, like. But anyway, I had I had two main takeaways. I think first, first he devoted ample time to one day shipping, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Saying, "quote." We'd made the decision to invest billions of incremental dollars over several years to deliver an increasing number of prime shipments in one day. This initiative was slowed by challenges of the pandemic, but we've since resumed our focus here, end quote. I find that particularly striking because it basically says that Amazon's putting a stake in the ground on one day versus 30 minute or less or instant or whatever you want to call it. And they're also subtly saying that it's hard, mm. that it requires a lot of expense, a lot of infrastructure to do, even for Amazon which calls to mind questions about the economics of instant delivery. So that was my point number one. Okay. Point number two is what he says at the end, where he talks about innovation. And again, I'm going to quote him. He said, quote, Albert Einstein is sometimes credited with describing compound interest, interest as the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays it. We think of iterative innovation in much the same way. Iterative innovation creates magic for customers, end quote. When I first read that quote, Ann, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But then I got thinking about it and I'm like, I don't know if that I jive with that anymore. Mm. Like it, it raised a lot of questions in my head because it, it it's it's counter to what Bezos used to say about swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. And when I hear the word iterative, I think of incremental okay. versus like that step change approach, which is what they did with things like Kindle, what they did with things like Go. And so when I think he's out there saying iterative, I think that kind there's more to it than that. There's more mm. nuance to the conversation there where I agree it's an iteration of what was before in a consumer experience, but it's a step change iteration. Mm-hmm. And so when you're trying to compare it to compound interest, I just don't personally like that analogy. So it also makes me wonder if they're stepping back a little bit or starting to step back a little bit from just walk out. Like, do we go too fast with that? Are we curious about that? I don't really know what to make of it, but those are my takeaways here. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I thought a few things upon reading this. Uh, the question about speed, like he was talking about speed, not just in relation to same day delivery, but speed was like a theme throughout. I mean, the, the whole yeah. letter he's talking about, we, we're going to be first to market. Like that's what we build our teams on. Like yeah. we are number one going to be first to market. And I guess for me, um, I, I just, I'm really curious if any company can be like Amazon. I don't know. I just kept thinking the whole like if time. Their infrastructural investment is just too I just great don't to I just don't know like they don't no, there's no other retailers that have the the money to put towards running projects this way and there's no there like their teams you can't just go into a legacy retailer right now or any retailer for that matter even new up and coming retailers and start working the way that they're doing. Like it, it's like it's like the people that we give a little bit of a hard time to who start new companies who right. are st- who are founding new companies and creating these billion dollar D2C brands but their parents also were like right. invented velcro <laughs> i mean it's just like you you it just start on third base yeah like I, so i guess yeah. for me it was just like in setting in the background just like especially when he's talking right. about AWS to start and like the yeah. chips and all of the like 40% increase in the amount of pow- compute power that that chip is creating and now they've got another one com- like it's just like there's no way that anybody can catch up so 
I, I was not paying attention to the shareholder part of it. I was just thinking of like what Amazon means in the greater retail environment. I think that's a really great point because I the other tone I would take from reading it was that like, okay, we're at a new phase of Amazon in terms of where it is as a company. Yes. Like it's so big now. Yes, it did great in the past, but where are we going in the future? And the iterative idea just really kind of bothered me where it's like, hey, now we're just going to focus on making things a little bit better, right? which is very different than what they've ever said. So- so I don't know. It's something to watch yeah. here as they start to put things into market, especially they go after physical retail. Yeah. And I think I forget somebody on LinkedIn pointed out, too, but like there's no talk of Amazon ad revenue in this whole letter. It's like right. that is that was a huge miss, I think, if I'm a shareholder and I'm like, what about this giant right. source of revenue that's projected to grow even stronger in the next couple of years? Right. Still but. being coy. And these letters are so funny. They're like such there's just like such ego strokes, too, at the end of the day, like how great we are. But anyway. All right, speaking of additional revenue, Anne, yes. according to CNBC, Lululemon will debut monthly memberships for clothes, events, and classes in a bid for loyal customers. The athletic apparel retailer this week said it will debut this fall two tiers of memberships, one free and one paid, in a bid to build a stronger base of loyal customers. The free membership, Anne, well, the free membership option, excuse me, will quote give users early access to Lululemon product drops and exclusive items, as well as in- invitations to in-person community events. End quote, according to a press release. And the paid option will cost thirty-nine dollars per month, the same price as an all-access subscription to Lululemon's at-home fitness platform Mirror, and will also feature content from a number of participating fitness studios, including places like Rumble. Pure Bar, which I had to ask Anne how to pronounce, and everyone's favorite place to get sweaty, the Dog Pound. And keeping with the Dog Pound theme, do you think customers will lap up this new membership offering at $39 per month? Yes. You do? Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. I do. All right. I I think that the power that this brand has over people continues to amaze me every day. I mean, I think that... One, this smells like Walmart Plus when they're like, oh, oh yeah. mirror members, we're going to be moving you over to this new Lululemon subscription. And also Just now key. we now we have, you know, five million mirror members all of a sudden in one month. Um, but I definitely can see people <laughs> going to this membership and getting access to I mean, it makes sense for Lululemon subscribers like you now basically have the equivalent of what Peloton's doing. Peloton just raised their price to $44 a month now. Like this is a demand area for sure. And Lululemon is in a position to, to command, you know, their brand being at the head of this subscription offering. Um, I do. So you love it. I do love it. it. I do love it. People will sign up for it. I absolutely think people will sign up for it. I think it's going to take off and explode. I just, I don't know that this brand can do wrong here, but Okay. What do you? What I, do you? I think I like it too. Okay. I kind of probably threw some deaf faking there, but like I, th- I think I like it too, um, because at the end of the day, I'm like, where's the risk? Right. But there's a couple points I would, I would call out here. Like, Lululemon had the subscription that was like over a hundred dollars, which sounds like that's just fallen by the wayside. So it sounds like there wasn't an appetite for that. Well, it was just a pilot, and they and they were not doing it in like a lot of markets. So yes. Right. But it yeah. sounds like they didn't get enough feedback on that to roll that. So now they're giving okay. this free thing, which. Yeah, okay, fine. The $39 one is more interesting to me, though. Yeah. Because for this, for two reasons. One, it tells me Mirror is in bad shape. Because, and and the reason for that is it's it's a tough sell, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about this when they started. The equipment's not, and the equipment's not a required component of this. You can do all of the same things just with an app. 
Mm-hmm. And it's a different selling process. You go into the stores, no one's looking at the mirror, yeah. right? Yep. But because it's a different selling process. It takes a much more consultative type sell than like selling apparel, I mean, right? they're using the mirror to look at, to hold right. Kohl's out to themselves, right. to be fair. And so, and I think you showed me this actually, is that you could provide the same value of mirror just through a good mobile interface. Yeah. As your Peloton membership attests to, like mm-hmm. you pay for the Peloton membership, but you don't have the bike. Right. It's not about the bike, not to intentionally quote Lance Armstrong, but it's not. It's yeah. about a good mobile interface and a community engagement. That's what they brought over with the leader from Amazon that's doing this. And it tells me they're downshifting the emphasis on mirror right. as the component of that and right. trying to get good content in the community going through the mobile interface, which I think 100% makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right on that. They they will they have put together a good collection of people. They already have a lot of relationships with a lot of these independent gym owners too. So I think that the the potential for what they can gain from subscription revenue from this app will end the other perks alongside it in store. Do I think we're going to start to see a bunch more people going to Lululemon for you know yoga classes and stuff and doing the in person stuff at Lululemon? Maybe, but I don't see that as like the hardcore destination. I do have. I do want to raise one yeah. slight concern that I have. So for all of those listening, I so a few of you have been emailing me this week about the new Abercrombie documentary that came out on Netflix. And so for those who don't know, they, there's a the new Netflix documentary. It talks about the history of Abercrombie, mostly about how they were recruiting and like what their whole strategy was. We'll talk about it on another episode, perhaps. But when I was trying to think of like, do we have an Abercrombie brand from 1996 in 2022? And I I think Lululemon could be that brand. And yeah. so I, I, I like the trajectory here. I, I am an avid purchaser of Lululemon product, but I wonder if we reach a tipping point for this brand where it falls down like we saw what happened with Abercrombie. I mean, I don't know. I think you see a lot of inc- other brands being more inclusive, bringing in different types of partnerships. Like, will we see a Fabletics or somebody else come in and lap Lululemon or are they just on that same forward motion. I think it's a great point. I mean, I think the history of apparel retailing is littered with companies that hit the zeitgeist at the right moment yeah. and had a 10 or 15 year run on right. it, right? And so, and the other point I think it brings up in closing for me is, you know, Peloton versus Lululemon, which is the easier way to go? Be the apparel company first, get into the equipment right. or be, or get into equipment and then go to apparel. I think what this is saying and what it tells me, at least they're going to try, is it potentially could be easier if you have a great mobile interface to create the community engagement around it where the bike beat and the equipment outlay yeah. becomes inconsequential yeah. and gets you more people too, gets you more mass appeal. So anyway. Right, right. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, I think we'll see what happens as as we go forward, but definitely a smart move on Lululemon's behalf to not just stick to apparel. It's so easy to try. Yeah. All right. Headline number three, according to Grocery Dive, Instacart is working with hospitality provider Aramark Sports and Entertainment to deploy Instacart's caper counter automated checkout technology at refreshment stands in Boston's Fenway Park. Uh, Instacart and Aramark will initially place three of the caper counter contactless payment terminals, which use computer vision to identify items in the baseball stadium and expect to add and and install additional units at the sports venue in the coming months oh, right. according the, to in an, the coming months in, in, according to an Instacart spokesperson um, the partnership with Airmark continues Instacart's diversification beyond its traditional business of providing online fulfillment stores to services to grocery stores and other retailers now chris <laughs> you're struggling today i'm All struggling right. today um, 
this is also the put you on the spot question Ooh. from A and M. Oh right, okay. Um, you as we as one. we all know, you've been down on Instacart for multiple reasons, including the rant that you went on a couple of weeks ago. Um, but you've really picked on them from their Caper AI acquisition, not because of Fenway and the stadium specifically, but. Do you think that this expansion of the caper counter, does it at all change your stance on the outlook of the caper and Instacart deal? That's question number one. Okay, question number one. There's two questions. What's the second question? Two-parter. This is from Chad Luss directly. Will this help the Red Sox suck any less than they do? (laughs) Signed, Chad Luss, loyal Yankees fan. All right, Chad. First of all, thanks for filling in for me last week. But I will will actually take the second part of that one first, Dan, just to get it out of the way. Okay. And this comes from someone who was living in Boston when the Red Sox broke the curse of the Bambino in 2004. And scoreboard, Chad, but I believe since then the Sox have won a few more rings than the Yankees over the last 20 years. So so who sucks is how I would put that. I, I've always hated the Yankees. So yeah, right? I, I mean, know. there's, nothing, gonna, to, there's, nothing, to sorry, lo- there's Chad, nothing to love there. You. But getting back to the retail topic at hand, Dan, um, I don't think this changes my opinion of the caper acquisition one iota. Okay. Um, what we have here to me is just another version of a self-checkout machine that looks like a cool white box. Yeah. It may work in event space where your customer is new every time, but for retailers to opt in for the extra seconds this saves over traditional self-checkout machines, when there are other solutions out there like scan and go, computer vision-based systems, even computer vision-aided traditional self-checkout, right. the likes of Everseen and Kroger, which we interviewed at NRF, it's a bridge too far for me to cross. It really is. Hmm. And most importantly, and I think you'll appreciate this because I learned this from you talking about Macy's, you still have to wait in line to use it. Right. And that drives me crazy. Like, mm-hmm. there's three of them, I guess, like in the in these stores. Like, so it's busy. Like, I still have to wait to go to it. Like, right. versus scan and go or just walk out. Like, that's why this concept will get obsoleted over time. And it's not one that Instacart, I think, can really hang its hat on when it comes to traditional retail. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you I do. I, All right. I, I think. Go a different direction. No, I, I mean. I have to say, I've always been, of all the product offerings that Caper has put out, I've always been the biggest fan of this Caper counter, but more in the use cases like we're talking about of like bodegas, where you have one person or two people of a family that own the bodega and somebody's stocking and somebody's got to be doing checkout. Like, I think this has the most applicability, but you're right. I think the much better use case would be rolling out something like, you know, what AFI is doing at some of the stadiums, where it's a, a contained space. You know, or even like food lockers, like we've seen where you order ahead of time and you pick up your food from a locker where it's able to serve multiple people at one time, not three stations or three kiosks. That's a great point. Um, Plus, oh my gosh, I love that this is this move is continuing Instacart's diversification. Like, good PR write up on that one. PR gold, right, Ann? Yeah, right. Yes, continuing our diversification. (laughs) Yeah, the other thing too that bothers me and why I've been hard on this too is we had the CEO of Caper on. Mm -hmm. It was a long time Grocery ago. Grocery shop, yeah, a couple yeah, of years ago. like two years. And he was saying how people were so interested in Counter, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly. And like, this is the first we're seeing it of it at the ballpark. Yeah. So like, it, it makes me think that the, the receptivity to this is probably a lot less. And, you know, like you said, it's probably good PR at this point in time. Let's do headline number four, And According to Modern Retail, Champs Sports is about to open its largest store yet. Next weekend, Champs Sports will host the grand opening of its newest retail concept, Homefield, a 35,000-square-foot store in southern Florida complete with an indoor multi-sport court. The store will carry more inventory and plans to host sporting events to meet the needs of today's modern athletes. Other features of the store, and include, quote, a champ's combine, end quote, a virtual reality machine that measures customers' wingspans, 
vertical height, leaps, and agility, and of course, the always popular smoothie bar. And are are you liking this concept? You know, what do you think about this? I don't like it. I I think this is a classic case of monkey see, monkey do. Champs Sports, owned by Foot Locker. They saw that Dix is doing this big rollout with their, you know, outdoor stores and their full Dix sporting goods concepts. And I think that they felt like, well, if it's working for Dix, then it should work for us, which right. is not a good strategy. I think um, when I'm thinking about the power of a retailer like Champ Sports, I would be emphasizing my time and resources on number one, the less sexy things of what is my assortment. Do, how do I have track of my inventory? How do I know exactly what's in my store and what I can get to people that day? Because as a as a sporting goods retailer with physical stores right now, your number one asset is being able to be the place where I can go that out within that hour to get what I need before that game. And I think that you know they are tying into the community here. They're trying to you know let people in the community use the sport court that they built there for practices and things like that which i think makes sense like always tying into the local communities is an asset but i number i think i would just be focused on those core components not creating this like spectacle of a place i i'd make sure that you have inventory so that when i come there to get a baseball glove because my kid lost it and we're on our way to right. the game that you have that baseball glove or that i know when I can get it and how I can get it quickly. So I do not like this move by Champ Sports. I think it's just trying to be like the, so you big, think this is the popular dick sport. You think it's good. distracting essentially to them. Yes. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I actually think this concept, I would actually go a little bit further too. I might might, go, might even go on a rant here, but I think this concept's dead dead on arrival. It's DOA. And the reason I say that is is the smoothie bar. Like the smoothie bar and the and the and the and the 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 digital interface. Like it's like okay, what digital interface can we put in that maybe makes sense that no one will use mm -hmm. ultimately? But the smoothie bar is the big tell for me. Oh really? Why? Yeah, because everyone is doing them as the part of these experiential concepts. Okay. And I can tell you from having run a couple stores, I won't say which concepts, but having run a couple stores at Target with these kinds of concepts mm -hmm. in them, no one uses them. Yeah. They, they don't. You don't want to have a smoothie in your hand while you're shopping for things. Like, yeah. it's just not something you want to do. And and so, and ultimately, like, it just gets really hard to run. And the other part I don't like about it is, from an organizational perspective, now you have to have somebody dedicated at your headquarters to running the smoothie bar at this one store. Well, this one is going to be run and operated by a local operator. So this is like an extension of their local Yeah, operation. I know, but you still have to have somebody managing the contract yeah. and the expectations around the contract. And you've had to build the infrastructure to put that in. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to rue the day when it comes back down to it. Like, yeah. why did we put all this infrastructure in for a smoothie bar when it doesn't really produce us any additional revenue in the right. long run? So that makes me think they're just, to your point, they're trying to mimic something here, 30,000 square feet, which is nowhere near the size of a, you know, what Dix has got going on with their concepts. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I just don't think it's going to work, and it just seems kind of misguided to me. Yeah, I agree. Just focus on getting more product in your store that can better, like, learn what your your people, your customers around you need, and really focus on making sure that that is what you can provide them. They can come there. They can have a successful shopping trip and leave. Plus, like... They're also doing hit classes. Like, wh how does Champs yeah. figure that they have the authority? Lululemon, yes, go for it. But like, I'm not going to Champs Sports to go to a weekly hit class. I'm sorry, I that one. I might wear my starter jacket to Champs Sports to do a hit oh class. I mean, but that's kind of what that's kind of what the connotation is, right? Like, it's 
you know, it's like I mean, it's leftover from me from like 1990 right, when I right. used to go to champs. Right. You're right. I'm not, I have no. I mean, I have no idea what the youngins are thinking about champs. They're trying sports, a lot but, there. Trying, trying yeah, too much. Seems like it's too hard. All right. So headline number five, according to Supermarket News, Midwest Grocer Lunds and Byerly's has tapped Pensa Systems automated solution to help improve inventory intelligence. Under a partnership announced Tuesday, Austin-based Pensa said that it plans to deploy its automated retail shelf intelligence solution at all 28 Lunds and Byerly supermarkets in our hometown, the Twin Cities market. Yeah. Um, To collect the shelf data, Lunds and Byerly's associates will scan shelves and product categories using Pensa's app on Zebra scanning devices. Pensa said its AI technology then captures and automatically analyzes video streams of the hundreds of products. I mean, they just go up and down and yep. scan super fast. Um, all of those product images to identify out of stocks, maximize item availability, and improve demand forecasting and omni-channel delivery. Chris. Yes. Thoughts? I love that this story popped this week. Because, I know. Because it's a continuation off the conversation you guys had last week on Wakefern and its robotics implementation. Cindy, yeah. And I think it's important to talk about the connections here with those stories. And that story got a lot of heat. Like I had, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit because I had somebody email me who's quite honestly probably one of the foremost experts on robotic implementations in grocery. And I'm going to tell you what he had to say about that. But anyway, like I said, I think it's cool. Um, One, Pencil was initially, you know, for the most part in the the industry of the pundits that, you know, where we, the space that we occupy, it was the drone company. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like now they're using computer vision by way of zebra devices to scan aisles at, you know, routine times during the day, which is a cool twist on their model. But I kind of wish it was more inclusive of drones too, to a degree for certain use cases, which I'll get into. And you got to leave me some leeway here because I got a lot to talk about on this one. But that leads me to my next point, which is two... I don't like this concept as much as the robot concept you guys discussed last week. Mm-hmm. And to tell you why I think that, I want to tell you what Dave Sh- Dave Steck of Schnooks told me. Okay. Who is one of, like I said, they rolled out robots to one every store at Schnooks. Mm-hmm. Local grocer, one of the best grocers around. And they're all in on robots yeah. from what he could tell me. And here's what he had to say, which I think is a really important quote to listen to. I'm going to read it in full for the audience. Quote, when you have even more limited resources, and by that he means supply chain shortages, staffing, getting the loads to the shelf becomes a priority, and then you just have to rely on your inventory systems to manage your outs. And by using computer vision systems, in total, you get the added element of a rules-based decisioning process to understand why that out is there. You don't have to train new associates on how to do a job, which is key in terms of what I just talked about that they don't have enough time to do in the first place. Let the rules-based systems look to see if there's something an associate can do about an out and only have them address those out. If it's out at the warehouse or already on its way from the fulfillment process, there's no reason to send a teammate Hmm. there, end quote. Which I think is really a brilliant piece of insight. So brilliant. And I had the chance to talk about this with Dave at like for 30 minutes this week, even more so. And I'm more all in on what he's saying. And the other point I bring up is he was... He was very decidedly with Chad, for those that listened last week, against mm-hmm. Haymont's argument that it's more about the supply chain upstream. He's saying, no, there's so much you can solve in aisle mm-hmm. with availability, and he talked about it in that quote. So my take is it's it's cool to see the move of computer vision in aisle, but the fact that people are involved in this mm-hmm. means there's even more subjectivity in the process where robots don't allow for that. It's done the same way all the time. And then there's the potential for the audit process to go out of bounds as a result of that. Mm-hmm. But with that said, there is one place where I like it a lot, Anne. Yeah. 
But uh, before I share that, I want to get your thoughts. Well, I was a little hesitant at first when we heard this story because I thought it was a little too inside baseball because it's like yeah, the it's right grocery local, store yeah. that's between our two houses that we frequent on a regular basis. And I saw the Lund CEO in line at lunch yesterday and I was like, <laughs> was so hey, Trace, this is really cool. I'm really excited about Pensa. Um, and But I do think that what's important about this, like you said, it signals a lot of the changes that need to be made in grocers that are these regional grocers, these smaller grocers in order to maintain profits when they're going to see pressure, increased pressures, both from demands of consumers, but also the competition from Amazon and others who are getting into the space and starting to take share. Um, I also think that it's going to mean a lot of positive changes for us as consumers. And that's what is exciting to me. You know, things being in stock, more fluid processes when we're ordering products online and we're going to do pickup, you know, few fewer changes last minute um, and, and just the speed at which we should be able to get groceries from our local providers that we we weren't able to before. But yeah. you have a you have another use case that you want to you want to bring yeah, up no, that I you think, love about this. Well, I think what I'd say in closing would be like, you know, for grocers, given the points that Dave raised and the points that I believe in, too, from having been an operator, I think. Robots or even drones that are, you know, standardly going around the store at a consistent time are the way to go mm-hmm. for the application of computer vision on the retailer side or the grocer side. But, however, I think when you start getting into the handheld side, the Zebra side, even your mo- own mobile device, I love this for the CPG. Mm-hmm. The CPG sends a lot of teams in there to get shelf intelligence, and this yeah. is super powerful for them to do that as well. So I think you're going to, the cool thing about this announcement is it's just showing there's better ways to do it, more efficient ways to do it. Depending on who wants to apply what, grocery CPG, there's a lot of space for us to learn and understand what the best process is. That's my take right now. Mm-hmm. Could change as we learn more, but that's where my head is right now. And I think both from the operator side and the customer side, this is one of the greatest opportunities for increasing your ROI as a grocer. Both from the CPGs and what you're able to negotiate with them, based on you know what knowledge you have of how those programs are activating, but then also the the speed that you can produce a better customer experience and and driving more customers to your stores. Yeah. 100%. All right, Ann, let's get to the lightning round. You going first? All right, I am. Uh, right. Chris. Yes. Sending a probe into Uranus has been labeled a top <laughs> priority by the space science community. Your thoughts? Oh, my God. Uh, my thoughts on that. Uh, tread carefully, space explorers. Many have tried, but none have succeeded. And Best Buy announced an electronics recycling program where they'll come to your home and pick up two large appliances per year and an unlimited amount of small electronics and recycle them for $199. What appliance would you be most embarrassed for someone to come to your house and pick up? Uh, I for sure have a six-disc CD changer boombox that I got in college and still cannot get rid of. That would be mine, too. I bet that's everyone. Oh, listed. my God. It's like Everyone still has that in their like, yeah, junk Yeah, like closet. a giant yep. gross, like laundry basket to haul that thing out, and yep. I just can't get rid of it. All right, Chris. Albertson's incentivized... See what Ooh, I, did there? I did see what I'm gonna uh, see what you did there. I think shoppers I did. this past week in partnership with Kraft Heinz using scented diffusers to pump in the aroma around coolers filled with Philadelphia cream cheese. <laughs> As a former frozen foods buyer, what products would you be choosing to pilot this on next? Oh, that one's so easy. I actually made this this morning for my son. I made him a Jimmy Dean breakfast Sammy. So that's yeah. the smell you pump. Yeah, in? yeah. Oh my god, it smells so good coming mm-hmm. out of the microwave. But in in reality, but the other thing I'd say is I love this idea. Uh, I think real time correlations with POS to smells and even to your favorite music 
are a total untapped goldmine. If people could just harness that, yeah. no one's done it yet, but there's something there. So if they take this to correlate to POS, boom, boom town. All right, and last question. Olivia Rodrigo just became Glossier's first celebrity spokesperson. When you were Olivia's age, who's currently 19 years old, what was one beauty product you couldn't live without? Uh, definitely frosted blue eyeshadow. Frosted blue eyeshadow. And just when you were 19, huh? Uh. Oh, I mean, yeah, pretty much just when I was 19. Have you seen the filters on TikTok or on Reels or Snap where, like, you can change, the, see, look, see what makeup looks like on you based on the year? The 2010s, the 2000s and the 2010s is absolutely hilarious. Like, we looked like that. We looked like that. That would that. be awesome, actually. And on I, have, purpose. I haven't done that, but I have to do that. I have, oh to, watch, I have to do that and watch the Abercrombie documentary yes. this weekend that you yes, dropped Yes, you earlier. do. All right, happy birthday today to James McAvoy, Queen Elizabeth, and the man to alliterative first and last names are just too good for this show to, to ignore, the great Rob Riggle. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day. It also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And we try really hard to make it all fit within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, as always, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is a Microsoft-sponsored podcast. Microsoft Cloud for Retail connects your customers, your people, and your data across the shopper journey, delivering personalized experiences and operational excellence. And is also brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so that grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing business. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. And Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four industry payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit sezzle.com.